Hello, everybody, and welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us as we continue uh, our study in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 6. We're going through verse by verse and uh, looking through these things together uh, to sort of get a feel for the text and uh, uh, just to see what's happening and to bring up the points of, of what's taking place in the Scripture. The better we know the Scripture, hopefully the closer our walk with God will be, and ultimately that's what it's all about is that every day we are continually drawing closer and closer to God. And we do that by praying, we do that by studying His Word, we do it by fellowship, and we do it by telling others, and uh, acts of kindness and those things that we do. All of those things help us in our, in, in our discipleship and being made more and more into uh, His image. And so uh, we want to know His Word, and, and uh, by doing this we're sort of looking into it and getting a hold of it. In our lives. So let me uh, start by reading Matthew chapter 6. You can read along with me if you want in your Bibles. Uh, there's Bibles in the pews if you want to get them there. It's in your notes. Uh, it starts on the back and then works its way forward. Okay? And it says this Matthew 6 1 Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not pronounce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they receive the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not, rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Blessed be the word. So, um, that's Matthew chapter 6. Now, remember that in um, this setting, what's happening is this, these three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, are what we commonly refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has begun to teach... Uh, here in the beginning of his ministry. And what he's really doing is he's making known the difference between the righteousness that the Pharisees have been preaching and true righteousness. And so he's setting up a lot of contrasts. And he's saying things like, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And so he's, he's, they're, they're all used to hearing how relationship with God was about a set of religious duties that were performed in practice. And unfortunately, they had sort of morphed into this setting where these things weren't done out of a heart, but they were done to be seen by people. And it was all about being noticed and being considered spiritual. Uh, that's, that's what had happened in the religious community. And it's what Jesus entered into. And they had set up so many rules and regulations that uh, there, were, there were literally hundreds of rules and regulations that people were, were supposed to follow. And, you know, we've sort of said that, that God broke it into ten, and uh, 10 was hard enough. Uh, if you can't keep 10, how can you possibly keep 600? Uh, and the 10 was a design to let us know what the community of God's people was supposed to live like and then help us to realize how desperately we needed a Savior because we couldn't keep 10. That's the deal. I mean, he could have shown us by keeping one, but some people would have tried to thought, you know, they would, oh, I can keep one. Uh, you know, when Jesus came and said, you know what, you even think about not doing that, you've blown it. Uh, he pretty much left it on that. But... But ten, ten is like, yeah, okay, you can't do ten. Read the book. Nobody makes the ten, all right? So, uh, all of a sudden, this system of relating to God had become just that, a man-made system, uh, a religion of, of trying to figure out, uh, you know, uh, this is what we're going to do in order to relate to God. And God says that's not how it works. And Jesus comes and he turns the whole thing around. And he says, they, they haven't been telling you the truth. I'm here. I'm the truth. I'm going to tell you what it looks like. And how we're supposed to live. And it's not about rules and regulations. We want to live with you, basically, God is saying, in relationship. And we don't want you doing the things you do out of responsibility. We want them to be a response from your heart. See, there's a huge difference. Because if something's a responsibility, it becomes law and, and we become legalistic very quickly. And if we feel like the we have a responsibility, then we think everybody else has a responsibility. And if they don't do it the way we do it, we judge them and we get critical. And we, we fall into the same trap that the religious people that they did. What it needs to be is a response from our hearts. And, and we know, when we're honest with ourselves, the places where we respond well and where we don't. And it allows us to have grace for other people uh, in, in the midst of working out their own relationship with God in Christ. 
and, and the timing of things that are changed. Um, people come into this at different places and times. And, and some people get some things and it takes them a long time to get other things. And, and we're all like that. You know, we have things that, that sort of click for us right away and then other stuff, not so much. So Jesus is coming and he's, he's basically in this sermon talking about how things should happen in relationship with God as opposed to how they happen by rules and regulation. And so uh, he, he begins by picking on uh, or uh, talking about certain subjects that are important subjects and things that we need to be doing, but we need to do them out of a heart response and not out of this uh, sort of legalistic viewpoint. So he begins in those first four verses and he talks about giving. And he, um, he said, you know, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness be seen by men. Uh, and what's happening is the Pharisees are giving, but they're doing it in a very public format. And it's like a spectacle and a show. And it's not that there's anything wrong with giving. There's not. Um, we're supposed to give as a response. But it's never to be a show. Now, it says in here, don't let your left hand and right hand know what it's doing. That practically has sort of uh, been hard for some believers. I've had discussions about that because they... Like, I've had people that have come to me and say, um, you know, I, I don't like to um, give on a check because then people know what I'm giving. And um, I always tell them, you know, um, it makes sense to give. Personally, I think it makes sense to give on a check because then you can declare it on your taxes and the government's willing to give you some money back for that or take less money. And, and you know, if you, if you don't want that money, well, you can give that back to us too. Uh, no, teasing. Uh, <laughs> if you feel funny about that. Um, look, unless you see, here's the deal. It, it's we're not doing that to impress anybody. We're responding to God. We give out of a response, and our response is God loves us so much, and He sort of gives us some uh, some guidelines on what giving looks like. And so when we give, we're doing it out of a response, not a responsibility. Big difference. And so uh, writing a check isn't about a left and a right hand thing. It's about are you are you trying to impress anybody? Because if you're trying to impress someone, you got the wrong idea. And he's always won our heart attitude to be right. Why do you give? I give because God loves me and I love him back. And he tells me to. And he, I know it's the best thing for me. And, and you, ever, you ever notice, you know, we're going to talk about worry <clears throat> later today. And I'm going to talk about it in my message this weekend. <coughs> Pardon me. Do you know that, that you, you worry about stuff that you're hanging on to real tightly? Have you ever thought about that? The stuff that you're worried about. <coughs> I'm sorry, the water went down the wrong way. We, we, we get in trouble when we, when we try to hang on to stuff too tightly. And a lot of times we get this fear sort of set happening. So we start hanging on to stuff. And when you're hanging on to stuff, you worry about it. And the, the thing is, you, you, can, you really can't hang on to stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's all God's stuff anyway. And things ebb and flow and things happen. And, and when you're all worried about stuff, then, then you don't get to enjoy life. And so you, you just get in this trap where, where if we get back into the spot where it's all God's and, and he tells us how we're, we're supposed to do things and, and, and we respond to him, then the promises that come up there, we don't have to worry about it. Isn't it a lot better not to worry about things than it is to worry about things? Um, and it, it's a constant choice we make. We get to choose if we're going to worry or not. And a lot of times we choose to worry. And we can get all worried. Or we can just... The thing is, worry's never changed anything. Ever. It doesn't work. 
I got a quote in my in my lesson coming up. I think it's funny, and it, it's, it says, uh, "Don't tell me worry doesn't work. Things that I worry about never happen." <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> but, but do you get it? You know, statistics. I have a statistic, although I have a, I have a statistic. I'll give you before the statistics I want to give you. Here's one statistic. 67% of all statistics you hear in messages like this, completely made up. Now, <laughs> what are you going to do with that now? When I tell you this, over 90% of what you worry about never happens. Now, is that... <laughs> Never mind. Um, and the reason I even get worried about saying not over 90% is that then the real worriers, oh, you mean 10% happens? <laughs> oh, we got to go home now. I can't take it. So, uh, look, we, we do all these things out of response. And so, the, you know, giving is a spiritual discipline. And so, so is prayer. We're going to talk about it. So is fasting. And there are things that we need to engage in. But we do them because it's a response to God. And there's a big difference if you go at it that way. Because when you're going it that way, then it's not about anybody else or what people know or don't know. It's none of their business. It's between you and God. That's the idea. It's what's coming out of your response to God it doesn't need to be broadcast to everybody. You just, you're doing this and you're, you're doing it because you know that's how God wants you to live. And you're responding to it. And there's so much freedom in that, uh, in that way of life. So he starts with that. Then he, in verse 5, he takes on the subject of prayer. And he's again saying, that, listen, the most important thing isn't that we're standing in front of people praying. It's that you're spending time with God praying. You know, do you pray when people aren't around is sort of what the issue is. And, and because then I've heard some people, see, they take these things. They go, well, you know, are we, maybe we shouldn't play, pray in public. It's, again, if you're praying in public to impress people, then you probably shouldn't be. But if you're in public and you pray, there's lots of corporate prayer in the Scripture. People prayed that way. They're just hearts are right. They're just in a group of people. Have Hello. When, when you pray, the, the emphasis is, again, it was a heart thing. It's not about being seen. It's about connecting with God. And so how do we pray? And, and you know, I always want to encourage you, look, prayer is, is just about talking to God. We don't have to change, uh, you know, our tone and inflection and, and get all serious. Um, we just talk to God like we do anybody else. And, and we get and engage in that process. That's a big part of prayer. And we listen and we, we hang out with God. It's about building relationship. And Jesus, uh, in, in this chunk of Scripture in verses 5 through 15, um, uh, sort of leads us in this model prayer, uh, beginning in verse 9. It's the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, my microphone is going on and off. Can you hear that, or is it just me? That's really unfortunate on the recording, because if you're watching it on the Internet, it looks like a bad movie, because... That'll mess them up. So, 
the, uh, the prayer is a model. And the Lord's Prayer was never intended just to be recited. We, we know it. Most, and most, you don't have to be a believer to know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We learn, everybody learns the prayer. And um, sometimes we, we just sort of learn it to recite it and think that's covering it. But really it's a model for prayer. And, and if you take the prayer and sort of break it down, it, it gives you some natural things to pray about in, in hanging out with God. Our Father uh, is a great way just to remember that he's God and you're not. I, I, I love the way the prayer starts like that. Because that's an important thing to remember. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And, and just begin to thank him for who he is. And, and you, you, you worship him for a little while. And you, and you start with that whole process. Our Father, who art in heaven, be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and again, we're, we're trying to get out of the center of the universe and, and make sure that he is the center of our universe in, in the process. Um, give us this day our daily bread. We go to God ask Him for our needs and pray for the needs of our friends and families and communities and the world and all those things in the prayer. Forgiveness is, is a, something that we're reminded to do and that we need forgiveness and we need to extend forgiveness that they're tied together and, and that it's something we need to do regularly. I, I need forgiveness regularly and, and so we need to be asking for it and extending it and receiving it in the process. Um, lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from evil. Reminding ourselves that we're in a spiritual battle and that, that we need to be prepared for it by staying close to God and connected to God, praying on the armor of God. All of these are part of this model prayer and it's a great guideline for praying. Um, I, I put something on the internet, if you haven't ever checked it out, on godsdaytimer.com. 15 minutes with God is a 15 minute prayer based on the Lord's Prayer. And it's got some music videos that you play in the background to help you time out the 15 minutes. And you get used to the connection. If you've never done it, you may want to try it. But, but he's talking about what prayer looks like and how we're to connect with God. Then he, he talks about in verses 16 through 18 that we read, he, he begins to talk about fasting and what fasting is all about. Um, and again, the Pharisees, when they fasted, they wanted everybody to know. It's how they looked spiritual. And that's... Uh, the fasting is, is supposed to be a denying the flesh, and yet the Pharisees were fasting and glorifying their flesh and doing it. Do you get the problem? Uh, and and that's, why, that's why Jesus called them on it. And he's saying, look, when you fast, people don't need to know. They shouldn't know. There's no reason to announce that you're fasting. Uh, and you shouldn't look any different. And, and uh, uh, you know, you, you, you are... You know, a biblical fast... And it, this is, I always kind of chuckle because people look at me and go like, yeah, how would you know? Um, <laughs> you ain't missed a meal in years. <laughs> I have fasted. I do fast pretty regularly. But when I break a fast, I make up for the entire day that I miss. That's another issue altogether. Look, a biblical fast is just this, uh, what they're talking about. You would eat your evening meal... And then you wouldn't eat again until your next evening meal. It's a sunset to sunset fast. That's a biblical fast. And so you're, you're basically just missing breakfast and lunch. And some of you do that all the time and never even consider it a fast. Uh, you just consider that busy. <laughs> I forgot the Pop-Tarts. Um, <laughs> so the deal is, remember that what would happen is that meals were a lot different. They were a much bigger part of the process of life because they took a lot longer to prepare 
And there was a lot more that went into a meal. And a meal um, was far more of a time to connect and hang out. And there was a lot of things that went on in the process. And the idea was when you, when you were skipping a meal, you were to take all that time that just sort of apparently popped up and you would hang out with God and you would draw closer to him. And, and there was something about, there's something about being hungry that makes you aware of, of your needs. Hunger gets it real fast. And, and so all of that connecting would help you sort of settle down and, and get focused on God again. And that was the idea of a biblical fast. And, and so, uh, you know, and I encourage it that we, we, we get to those things from time to time um, just to make that connection with God. But, but do it, you know, sometimes people fast and they just get really busy. So they, and that's, you're missing the point. It's, it's about kind of slowing down and, and getting focused and, and taking time to really connect with God with, with some of this major stuff out of the way. So uh, he's saying here, listen, um, uh, it's not about other people seeing it, and that's what they turned it into was more of a show. And that was the big problem that he had. They were doing things so, so they could appear righteous, but they weren't. And here's the deal with God. See, this is, we just talked about this last week too. We are often far more concerned about how we look than how we really are. And it doesn't play that way with God. God is far less concerned with how you look. He's way more concerned about what's happening inside. And he knows. So we never pull in the wool over his eyes. He knows who we are. Then he goes up in, in verses 19 through 24. And he begins to talk about uh, our attitude towards wealth. Because another thing that was taught by the Pharisees was that uh, people who had a lot of material stuff were blessed by God. And, and so if you had things, you were automatically seen as somebody that was blessed by God. Here's the deal. That's not how it works all the time. I know a lot of people that are tremendously blessed by God don't have anything. And I know a lot of people that have a lot of stuff that, trust me, it's not a good thing that they have a lot of stuff um, because it's keeping them from, from knowing the truth. And, and so um, it's a bad sign of prosperity. And yet culturally, we just talked about this, it's what we sort of look to and define success by in our culture is stuff. And, and Jesus is saying, look, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth because what happens? It all goes away anyway. It doesn't make it. It doesn't last. It's, you, you don't get to take it with you. Um, it's, it's all temporary. And yet we get so, so amazingly focused on the temporary that we miss what's greater. And, and it impacts our lives in tremendous ways. You, maybe you've heard this story. You've been here any length of time. But it's, it's a good story because it, it was one of those living illustrations to me. I was a new believer. And uh, I happened to be out at the dump. I'm not, I don't remember why I was out at the dump anymore. But I was out at the dump, and this was years and years ago uh, when this happened, because I know this doesn't happen anymore, at least I'm, I'm sure it doesn't happen. But I, I was out at the dump, and we were getting some rid of some stuff, and I had a lot of stuff thrown away. And, and while I was out there, a honey truck came out there. You guys know what a honey truck is? It's not really honey, right? Okay. And this honey truck comes out. I go, that's interesting. And, and there, off on one side, was all these used appliances. They were old appliances, and I don't know why, or for whatever reason, the honey truck dumped right there. Just... That, I know that doesn't happen anymore. Now it's, they have ways that they do it, I'm sure, uh, that are far more envir- envir- uh, environmentally sound. Thank you. But this is what happened. And this was a thought I had as I, I watched this take place. I thought to myself, you know, at some point, the people, those were brand new appliances that somebody worked for and spent a lot of money on in order to have. And this is how they're ending up. And it was sort of like a realization to me. It's how everything ends up. <laughs> 
very graphic, I might add. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden it was like, man, we, we strive so hard sometimes for stuff that doesn't last. And we don't spend nearly as much time on stuff that does last. And it's, it's because we, we've gotten things turned around a little bit. And Jesus is saying, look, listen, this is what's important. You need to focus on these things. Because what's inside is so much more important. He talks about the light that's inside you. That light turns on when you connect with God. Apart from that, the light stays off. And, and, you know, sometimes you look at somebody and you can tell there's no light inside. It hasn't, there's no switch. So, he, he's saying, uh, look, you, you, you need to make sure you get your focus on what's really important. You know, as I say that, don't hear me saying that, that I'm against stuff, because I'm not. Remember my little test, my little filter for all that stuff. Who's in charge, you or your stuff? If you're in charge of your stuff, you're in good shape. If your stuff is running you around, you need to make some changes. And you know the difference. You know when your stuff starts taking over because you've got no time for anything but your stuff. And it's not how it's supposed to be. Your stuff should serve you, not the other way around. He finishes up this whole chapter by talking about uh, worry and that our focus, if our focus is on him, we don't need to worry. And, and again, especially in times like we're in right now where everything is upside down, as long as our focus is on, on God... God's still the same, and, and we, can, we can continue on in him, knowing that he's got everything in his hands. And he's saying, listen, you don't have to worry about these things if you put your attention on me. I'll take care of your needs. Just, just get your focus on me. And, and I think it's something we need to constantly remind ourselves. Let's get our focus on God. When we start feeling ourselves move off into worry and fear, then stop and get your focus again on God. When you, when you start you know, being dragged down by everything, stop. Get your focus on God. I, I told you, it's been months now. I literally turned the news off because I was getting so distracted by it. It was messing up my walk. And, and uh, I, I don't have it on all day anymore. Every, you know, I, I was talking earlier. When the Internet comes on, I look at the headlines, but I don't get overwhelmed by them because I don't let it hit me hour after hour after hour, which was what was happening. It was just sort of mindless background noise. But I would, I would get... All, I'd be all upset inside and wasn't sure why. <laughs> you, know, you know that feeling? It's all bad. There's nothing good. And, and you can't live there. It's not all bad. God's still God. Still on the throne last time I checked. And not surprised by anything. Coming to get us soon. And, and uh, that's all good stuff. And so we need to keep our eyes on Him. And He says, don't get all worried about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I kind of like that. Live it one day at a time. Best advice we could ever have in order to live. And isn't it good that God... See, He made time for us. He exists outside of it. It's hard for us to grasp. But He made it in these little 24-hour chunks. Because He knows that's what we can handle. So don't get outside of it. He's designed you and created you to handle this 24-hour chunk with a... with. Sleep before it and sleep after it. Isn't that nice? <laughs> you need a rest. You're going to have a big day tomorrow. You're done now. Go back to sleep. Isn't that? And then you get a new one. Isn't that great? We don't always think about it like that. But God's great. That's how he cares for us. And then we just keep doing the next right thing, right? And that's where we find it. So that's Matthew chapter 6. And... Uh, It's a great chapter. We're coming up on Matthew chapter 7 next week. Get it read, and then don't forget to read Mark chapter 17 uh, for the following week. That only counts if you were here Sunday. Now I have to explain.
This this pastor was trying to check to see if people were doing what he told them to do. And so one week he said, I want you to go home this week and read Mark chapter 17. And then he came back the next week and he said, how many of you read Mark chapter 17? And you know what people did? And he went, huh, there is no Mark chapter 17. The book ends at chapter 16. See? So, be careful. But there is a Matthew chapter 7. Read it before next week. All right? Pastor, may I have your prayer requests. I will pray for you. Uh, they'll pray for you up in Williston. If you need prayer, if you're watching on the Internet, uh, just go ahead and get a hold of us. Email us. Uh, call us. We'll pray for you. But we're going to go ahead and sign off of the video now and do prayer requests here.